Vocal is a very different station. It's not commercial, so you're not going to hear, you know, the five artists that each label is putting out and putting all their money and all their budget into. And so, exactly, you told us a story about how you stumbled on yeah. Vocalo in the car. No, yeah, I was, I, I was just saying, like, I, I hadn't been to Vocalo in many years or like seen a lot of you guys in a long time because I wasn't aware the way like that you guys play music, which is the way everybody should. It sounds like you guys play the music that you like. I got in the car one day a couple weeks ago, and I was driving, all the all the radio stations was playing commercials, and I flipped over to 91.1, and I hear a Jamila Woods song. Now, Jamila Woods is one of my favorite people in the world. She's also one of my old mentors. I grew up with her in YCA, and she's featured on a couple of my songs, probably all my biggest songs, actually. So I'm like, listen to this Jamila Woods playing on the radio. Okay, Jamila, I see you get radio playing the shy. <laughs> Next song comes up is No Name. Another one of my best friends I grew up with that I have plenty of collaborations with. Then the next song after that is a Saba song. And I'm like, when do we get this radio? Like, when did it start playing like this? And sure enough, the Saba song goes off and I hear the background music to Sunday Candy playing on the radio over a commercial. And so I stopped and I checked it out and, and of course it's Vocalo playing me and my friends for the whole Chicago to hear. Immediately I just thought like, I need to come, I need to go up there, I need to do an interview, I need to go be by there more often. It just seems more free and more in line with what all of us got going on. So I'm hoping that, you know, after the day, after we've kicked it, we could start doing like some sort of like, you know, monthly pizza party or something, some sort of takeover. <laughs> I know? did order pizza. And I love free food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like <laughs> all the ad libs. I did order pizza. I love free food. It's like, all right. You guys like part of what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, no, no, we love the idea of you coming back. You I know? will. I just, yeah. Because literally, folks might not know, but this happened because you literally just slipped in Vocalo's DMs. Yeah. There's, there is a process to radio and a certain level of professionalism and bureaucracy. And I just like to skip all that. It doesn't apply here. No, it doesn't, skip have, all it doesn't that. apply here. No, it's so cool because <laughs> you did not say, so just for people that are just tuning in right now, I'm at, it's Chance the Rapper, I'm at Vocalo Radio right now. Hey. One of my mentors, Ayana Contreras, was <laughs> the person that told me that I could come up to the radio station. But you didn't know it was me. I didn't know it was you. I was thought I was DMing Mr. Vocalo himself. <laughs> well, you was DMing a literal a radio box with a monocle, an anthropomorphic uh, like radio a- station. But it was you all along, and you told me to come up. And once I found out it was you, I was like, oh, I got to be there. And so now I think I might become like a regular personality or something up here. Vocalo is real people, my brother. Real people. Real radio, you know. And and speaking of radio, we've been playing Child of God. When you first dropped it, it's been in heavy rotation. Just do your thing, child. That is love. Um, You you play a lot of your records. We do play a lot, like once an hour. And, um... You, this was one of the first singles you released this year. This was. And I had to pull up this this article from my good friends over at Tribe, at Tiffany Morgan. They did a, a beautiful article with you on it. And um, you was talking about how you went to Ghana. Yeah. Uh, my father's from Ghana. Oh, you're Ghanaian. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. And um, 
you you met someone specifically on this plane yeah. that led you to you know to this artistic visual uh, for Child of God. You feel you know? Can you share yeah. that with our audience? Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. I went out to to Ghana with my best friend Vic Mensa, um, just going out there to connect and have some time together, just to you know, just to chill. It was like the pandemic was still kind of hard on us at that time. People weren't really going outside all the way yet. So top of the year, I go out to Ghana and. I had been recording a couple of songs. I think I had made like two or three songs at the time that I was expecting to, to have for my next release. And uh, I had this this idea years ago to try and do a project where I link, you know, individual art pieces with individual songs as opposed to like how we always know music to be, which is the... Uh, it, it was basically the opportunity to make singular like pieces of art that would be a part of a larger show or larger collective but rather than having like an album cover where one image is supposed to represent all these different songs and feelings and lyrics having like a very intentional piece to go with each song Mm -hmm. i started that with brandon bro back in 2018 and i kind of started like playing with the idea again but i didn't know exactly how i was going to do it um with brandon and so I get out to Ghana, and within 20 minutes of landing, I land. I find out that my hotel that I'm staying at is a famous gallery in Ghana called Kempinski that has a uh, gallery 1957 there. Uh, and then as soon as I put my bags down, Vic is like, "Yo, we're gonna go meet up with some artists at a residency that's like um, in the hood, like right, like a, a couple miles away." So I drop my bags and we instantly get in the car and we slide over to this place and the the residency, the studio that we get to is owned by this guy named uh, Amwako Abafu, who is probably the biggest contemporary artist coming out of West Africa right now. And he's only a couple years older than me and I know his work because LeBron had posted his stuff a couple weeks before. So it was crazy. Like, oh, I'm in Ghana. I'm with Amwako. This is crazy. And he had this this whole studio that was a residency for artists in West in West Africa that were, you know, kind of learning to... It was kind of like a U-media. That's probably the best way to describe it. <laughs> he was a mentor for a bunch of younger artists that it came from Ghana, but also other parts around West Africa. And in that studio, I met a girl who's the exact same age as me that actually used to live in Chicago, um, but is from West Africa, from a country called Gabon. Her name's Nyla Opianga. And Nyla's a... Amazing architects used to uh, uh, she used to work with uh, David Aje, uh, who who <laughs> built the African American Smithsonian Museum. Um, but she's also an awesome painter, and she was working under Amako at his studio when I came there. And, and she actually was just showing us around the studio. She didn't even tell me that she was a painter. But we ended up, you know, uh, towards the end of the trip, getting to see her works. And she has these amazing. Her style is like this black nude figure art that uh but because she's an architect she does a lot of stuff with perspective so while it almost leans in abstraction it's like it's very mathematical when the way that the that the bodies or the subjects interact with each other and she's just like fire just like a very like cool person very smart person and like i said she lived in chicago for a short period of time so we instantly clicked and on this trip she asked me about her works and about the works that i owned and if i you know if i considered myself a collector and 
me being Chance the Rapper, I'm always, you know, super communist. Like, I hate any type of, like, <laughs> anything that anything that's not, you know, um, for the people. I was like, I'm not a collector, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I support artists. I'm an artist myself. And she was like, well, if you don't collect, how can you support an artist? And, and this, you know, turned into, like, a two- or three-day argument where we were just like, you know, uh, Nyla, anybody that's ever met her that's listening, like, she can be very persistent. And what that argument ended up turning into was her, you know, making me really question and figure out how I can support visual artists and how I can be a part of the world. And and it basically inspired me to ask her to do, um, to paint a, you know, an artistic collaborative piece that would go hand in hand with the song so much so that they would become married to each other and 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 we did just that we I, she flew to Chicago uh less than a month later and we set up shopping at, at my studio at the house of kicks and she got this 12 foot tall canvas and put together probably the most beautiful painting I've ever seen and we named it child of God and it became my first interdisciplinary art piece and since then, I've just been trying to work with different artists to, like, make a visual piece that really, really feels like a tangible song. That's, like, that's like my biggest issue with my form of art is, like, my work is real, but it's not tangible. You know what I'm saying? And so now I feel like for years and years and years to come, Child of God will be, you know, in museums and in schools and studied and talked about and seen. Uh as a physical thing the idea of it is is contained within this object would you look what god did yeah you know how he brought y'all together like that that's amazing now to yeah. this day she's still very influential in my life she introduced me to Giannis davy gabinga who's an amazing photographer who did the artwork for uh the highs and the lows you know people people rock with me and want to work with me but you got to understand that like the art world is a whole separate monster mm-hmm. and it's not exactly the same, but the same way that we deal with like clout and clout chasers and, you know, gatekeepers and all that stuff, that same stuff is there, but their space is white dominated, like visibly. So we get like a pseudo respect where they get like little to no respect. You know what I'm saying? Like we get a fake, like we run this thing and we get to believe that hip hop is being, the gears are turning by black people, but there, you know, their work is what finances and keeps, you know, Art Basel and Venice Biennale and Freeze and all these festivals going. But when they come there, when we come there, and I've seen them before because I've gone to a few art fairs, we kind of got to like, you know, talk like this. You know, it's, got, it's like the, you know, it's just like a whole thing. I'm Ayana Contreras and you're tuned in to Vocalo In Conversation with Chance the Rapper. I saw you tweet this recently, Chief Keith. You know, huge, huge impact he's made here in Chicago. You tweeted him, hey, uh, take a trip to Ghana with with me. Yeah, let's go to Accra. And he tweeted back. Yeah. You know, is that going to happen? We're still trying to figure it out. The trip is in, like, nine days. So (laughs) it's tough. We're we're trying to figure out this passport situation right now for him. But, um, yeah, I think, like, what some people don't, know is that Ghana is kind of the capital of um, of blackness of global blackness 
and the idea that we're all interconnected as diasporans or continental Africans. So the president, first president of Ghana, Kwame Nkrumah, mm -hmm. who actually um, spent time studying in the U.S., went to a HBCU, came back to Ghana, and uh, which at the time was called the Gold Coast. Uh, the, the English named it that because they said there was so much gold there they could just walk down the beach and collect it. Um, this place had been, you know, colonized for like 100 years. He came back with this radical idea that they, they could be their own nation and they didn't need some foreign powers to be in charge of their way of life or dictating their culture. And so, you know, just like most African leaders in the 50s and 60s, he was jailed <laughs> for trying to do what was right. Uh, but eventually um, he got out. He became the first president of Ghana. He uh, changed the name to Ghana after the Ghana Empire and, and made uh, it very uh, prevalent that this country was the beginning of, of black revolutionary thought and the connection of black people um, across any nations. And so he was, he was inspired by Marcus Garvey's um, uh, UNIA and the Black Star Line um, shipping company that used to take black folks from the Americas to the islands um, all the way to, to, to Ghana. And, and created a workforce and, and taught people in trades. But Marcus Garvey always had this idea that, you know, black people anywhere in the world all have um, a home within each other, you know, and, and, there's, and there should be some interconnectedness. So when he started the country, he made their flag to have the black star in it as a representation of this global blackness. And, and when you go there, when you get there, the comfort that you feel from complete strangers and the celebration of yourself and the lack of otherization like I've never felt so regular in my life it was an awesome feeling just to be you know in a space that's filled with pride and love and you know culture and and also not feel like I'm doing something else. I don't even know how to describe it. It's something you kind of, I guess, got to go there to feel it. But, but yeah, I, I, I want Keith to come out there. I want everybody to come out there. I want, and, and I think like, what, what something that I want to make sure is understood is that I think this new revolutionary black thought is not intrinsically tied to land or like, uh, you know, owning spaces in other places or like a physical move back to Africa, but it is an understanding that connection is needed and empathy is needed across nations and across seas. And I think like whether you get to go to Ghana or not is not what it's all about, but it is about understanding that we are all one people. One thing I'll say is I think and I don't know how much you know about this, and this is really great to hear. I've actually been to Ghana before, so what you're saying to me is bringing back a lot of memories. Um, the thing about Chicago um, is that it's also a center of Pan-African thought, but I think a lot of people who grow up here 
they aren't tapped into that. They don't know about the Betty Shabazz School. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They don't know about the Southside Community Arts Center. They don't know about the Carruthers Center and all these other spaces and places that, you know, yeah. you know, they don't even really understand what Ebony and Jet contributed to people's understanding of what it was to be black in the 20th century. And oh, all of that came crucial. from Chicago. Yeah. So I mean, hearing you say that feels so full circle to me. And I'm so happy that you're like really tapped into yeah. that history. Yeah. No, it's a, it's Chicago has been the epicenter, like the, the ground zero for so many political and sociopolitical movements and like, it is like somebody was asking me recently, they were like, yo, I know you, you know, you look up in the news and you look at, you know, anytime a situation happens, people like, you know, point to Chicago or use Chicago as a scapegoat. And like, how does that make you feel? And I was like, yeah, it, you know, obviously it hurts me because I have a lot of great memories and love and people in Chicago. Um, but also like, it makes sense. We're, we're, uh, Chicago is, you know, the third largest city and one of the world's great powers. And, you know, it's full of black people. It has a lot of history of innovation, but also racism. And, you know, uh, and, and and it is the spot where a lot of stuff just goes down. And so I feel like it would be completely radical. It will be radical when people see me and Keith in Ghana and see what, what everybody's working on and and starts to like you know understand that this movement is something that everybody is collectively on we're just not all necessarily conscious of it but I think we're getting to a space of recognizing ourselves in the world and how many of us there are you know mm-hmm. the millions and millions of black folks everywhere and not just in the the black countries like Brazil and in the islands and on the continent but we're in the UK and we're in Ireland and Scotland and Australia and Asia and everywhere, everywhere, there's black folks. And we just need to get to a level like the, the, it was bound to happen. There's been a globalization. There's been the Internet. There is, you know, the resources for connectivity. It's just we were just waiting for the time. 